Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's Virginia week, and things got weird on the weekly press conference with Manny Diaz. So we're going to talk about it. We weren't planning to open with discussion from the press conference, but uh, I think I think we got to talk about it. Yeah, I definitely it, have to. It was definitely weird. So... Manny Diaz uh, opened the press conference with an opening statement that started with addressing, I guess, some of the some of the topics that were touched on briefly on ESPN's College Game Day on Saturday, right? And basically, that discussion was citing the article from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, in and Kirk Herbstreet expanded on that article, saying how he is sad about the current state of the University of Miami. If you look at Miami's average record since 2006, they are seven and five. And he basically says, you know, it looks like Miami does not care about football. And he cites, again, the Barry Jackson report and says it, it appears the president doesn't want to devote resources to football etc cetera, etc cetera. and so Manny Diaz started the press conference basically opening these can of worms and i think you know he made some fair points but i think also he might have i don't know he might have stepped in it a little bit in my opinion so let's let's go through it and touch on i guess the things that Manny Diaz brought up early on he defends Miami president Julio Frank, uh, and he cites that Julio Frank cares about football, cares about athletics, because he was one of the few presidents last year, you know, during the summer of 2020, that was really pushing and trying to figure out ways to play college football during the pandemic. And Mandy Diaz points out that there wasn't a lot of presidents out there across the country that were working towards finding solutions or, or thought it was possible. But Julio Frank was one of those presidents that uh, kind of tried to find solutions and, and it ended up working out, I think it's fair to say, right? So he defends Julio Frank. You know, you can read into that, whatever you want to read into that, um, you know, We'll move on. Uh, he, he then brings up resources, right? And he's, he cite, he, Manny Diaz says, this narrative of Miami not having resources is not true. And I think you and I have talked about, Gabby, that we agree with that. Like, we think 
Miami's resources in terms of facilities and in terms of support staff, there really aren't any more excuses in our opinion in, in those phases. But Manny Diaz expanded. He says, you know, you look at the new dorms, which, which are called the Lakeside Village. Miami goes out of their way to highlight those, those dorms during their recruiting visits. And they are very, very nice. You and I have seen them, Gabby. Yeah. Um, he says that's been a game changer in recruiting. He highlights, because Kirk Herbstreet brought up the stadium issue and how students have to travel to Hard Rock Stadium. And it's just not the same since the Orange Bowl days. Manny Diaz brought up, which I think is fair too. I agree with Manny here that, you know, even back in the Orange Bowl days, students had to travel to the Orange Bowl. They had to go out of their way. And really the attendance, honestly, students and fans in the Orange Bowl days were hit or miss, right? You know, it, it was fa- it's fairly similar to the way it is now, right? When, when Miami plays a big time game, the stadium will be packed. When Miami plays a regular opponent, you get about 50,000 fans there. That's really not changed since the Orange Bowl days. So I agree with Manny there. Manny also highlights that the program has an IPF, which was something they got banged on in the past. That has changed in terms of facilities and resources. Miami is now working on adding new locker rooms for the football team. So that's a, an upgrade in facilities that's coming. He brought up a lot of things are changing for the positive with the, the facilities and resources. And he also notes that Miami will never have the best resources. You know, he, he's obviously speaking to the SEC mm, and yeah. the money they can pour into their programs. But he does say that Miami does have plenty of resources to compete now compared to he, he notes 2016 when Mark Richt first arrived. Um, and why is Manny Diaz making these points? He says facilities are the key to recruiting better moving forward, right? So he's banging the, the recruiting drum right now. Um, and he does say the only way to fix the Miami program is to stack classes moving forward. Um, and he, he did throw out a number. He said the number four. He's four classes it takes to stack. And Manny Diaz, you know, he didn't straight up say this, but he's talking a lot about the two most recent recruiting classes. So mm-hmm. I think according to Manny, we would be halfway through that process that Manny would find acceptable in terms of, recruiting. Uh, you know, giving coach enough time to stack classes. Um, so that was it uh, with, with Manny's rant. I, I think now we can kind of go through what we're buying. Well, I, I kind of mentioned what we're buying. Now let's talk about what we're not really believing, right? Yeah. So the recruiting thing, right? It, it is interesting. And, and this happens, you know, towards the end of coaching tenures. They start to really bang the drum with recruiting, right? They need more time to recruit. Um, and I think a lot of times that's a fair point. Um, but in Manny's case, it becomes a little bit of a slippery slope, right? Because uh, technically he's been recruiting at Miami since 2016, you know, specifically on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I think you could argue 
during each one of his head coaching seasons. And again, there, this season still has to play out, but it appears, you know, 2019, 2020, and 2021, this defense is, is declining each year. It's getting worse and worse each year. Why, why is that happening when these are players he's recruited? These are his guys. So when that's happening, why should he get benefit of the doubt of stacking classes moving forward um, when he, he kind of he recruited this defensive side and it's not really going well in terms of results on the field? Do you think that's unfair? No, I think that's, I think that's perfectly fair. And that's honestly like, like I didn't even see it that way. Like I, I, I absolutely hundred percent agree. Like he was the, the defensive coordinator. Mark Rick was an offensive minded guy anyways. Like that defense probably all had to go through him. Right. So all those defensive players that maybe are underachieving now, or maybe, I mean, he didn't rec- I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a great point right there that he did recruit these guys. Like you definitely could make that argument. Do you think recruiting like if we're going to list the important factors in recruiting, right? Where would you rank facilities? I mean, I feel like you talk to a lot of the kids and I mean, I think it has some, I do think it absolutely has a lot to do with it. Like you go to some, you go to some of these schools and you see other schools, but I mean, I feel like when you're on Miami's campus in Coral Gables, like there's not like a huge, I mean, maybe there is, I haven't seen a ton of college campuses, but I mean, I feel like Miami's is up there. So I mean, in terms of just the just facility, saying, generally speaking, yeah. like what matters more in recruiting? Is it relentless effort from a coaching yeah. staff? Is it about relationships? Is it about a win-loss record? Uh, is it, you know, or, or like, are I mean, those I'd probably things... put, I'd probably put facilities behind those, the, the three things that you just said. Right. Like, I think the, the way kids are recruited, I feel like that matters. I feel like the relationships they build, that matters more. Uh, I feel like a program winning is going to help you more than the facilities that you, that you play in or anything like that. So, I mean, I'd put, I mean, I guess, depending who you're talking to, I'd probably put facilities like third or fourth in that sort of range of things that we just talked about. I mean, it, it is important, but I think that there's things way more important than just, Hey, you're going to come play on a, in a really nice, you're gonna have a really nice indoor practice facility, or you're going to have a nice gym or, you know, any of that stuff. I think there's other things that matter more. And I agree. Like, you know, I beat the drum with stacking classes all day long, right? Like I am all about, excuse me. I am all about that life. Um, but do you think it's fair to say, and look, it's, it's more of a quantity issue, not a quality issues because Mm -hmm. the guys that they do have committed are good players. So don't get me wrong there. Um, but this current class they have committed, the quantity is, you know, is head scratching. It, it yeah. and, and I think if you compare it to last year's class, it's a class that isn't of the same caliber at this point. Now they could close strong. They could change this. Uh, there's still time to go in this recruiting cycle, but in general, it does appear that this class is going to take a step back from the 2021 cycle. Would you agree with that? And, and to me, that's concerning. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely going to take a, a step back. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Manny got really lucky of with the class that he got last year. I mean, there was a lot of local talent sort of in that class. I mean, you look at all three offensive linemen, all three, all three wide receivers, 
Um, you look at, you know, just Leonard Taylor, obviously James Williams, the two five stars that were here locally. I mean, you did a really good job with those guys, but you don't have the three wide. There's no three wide receivers in South Florida this year. There's no three offensive linemen. You know, there is a couple five stars, but it's just both at this point, last cycle, Leonard Taylor and James Williams were already in the class. Like Manny Diaz said a year ago, uh, no one thought either of those guys were coming. And it's like a year ago, you knew those guys were coming. You know, at this point a year ago, you didn't know those guys were coming. It just doesn't feel like Miami has that sort of momentum with those guys at the top. And there's right. just not the local depth that is going to sort of be that safety blanket for you where, you know, you could rely on landing the local guys. Even the local guys that you are heavily targeting are like not really in the fold yet. I mean, the only what you have, how many players from Florida do you have? You have Chris Graves. And that's it, right? I mean, you got one kid from the state of Florida. You got I'm Markeith Williams, who's from Orlando. So you got two kids from right. Florida. None are from South Florida. You're going after a few guys from South Florida. Again, none of those guys in the fold yet. So it almost feels like last year, I mean, the COVID year, you could say anything you want. At the end of the day, they're on campus and they're wearing right. orange and green. But I mean, you're not gonna you're not blessed with those same sorts of circumstances in this class. And I feel like naturally that's going to be a step back, but how much of a step back I think is still to be determined. I think it could potentially be a huge one. And if you want to stack classes the way you're well, right saying now, you want to stack classes, they're in the forties, right? Yeah. They're in the forties right now. And again, so what you, said, you can't like, stack a class when you're in, yeah. like, that doesn't count when you're in the forties and they're not, they're probably not going to sign a class in the forties, but even still, if they, if they sign a class ranked, let's say 22nd, right. Yeah. That's not and good that's enough. Seem, that's seeming more likely now. That is not good enough, correct? Like that is no, not sure. stacking classes. You got to stack top 15 classes. That yeah. is stacking classes, correct? Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, there, there is the, the, the quality of the class, like the upper yes. half of the class is probably going to be pretty good. You yes. know, maybe not as good as last cycles, but I think it's good enough, especially at some key positions where you'd really need to add those sorts of talents. So I feel like in that way it helps, but... You know, you need to put another tight end behind Elijah Arroyo, and you need to put uh, a couple more wide receivers behind Romello Brinson and Brashard Smith, and you need to put another defensive lineman next to Leonard Taylor, potentially two more. And it's like, where are those guys? You know, you're filling a bunch of needs at corner and defensive back. I mean, I like safety. But outside of that, I mean, you're obviously you got your, your quarterback, but I mean, after that, it gets pretty fuzzy. You know, like there's an argument that of like, are these guys like really it? Like outside of yeah. those outside of those positions, so um, the problem we're in now with recruiting is it's year three, and, yeah. and in year three you have to start showing results, and they've missed an opportunity to show results in these first four games. Again, they still have eight more games to try and turn things around, right? But it's really hard to recruit in year three when you're not showing results because bottom line, um, players want to go where they know they can win and they know where they can be developed uh, for the next level. And, you know, right now that's Miami's biggest issue. It's not these narratives about resources and uh, does Miami care about football? So it, it's kind of hard for me to buy into the Manny Diaz needs more time to stack recruiting classes um, when he didn't, he didn't set his defense up well as a defensive coordinator in terms of stacking recruiting classes then. And, you know, it, it's showing now. So why should he get more time moving forward? Um, that's just my thoughts. 
another thing he thought he brought up that I thought was interesting. He did. I mean, we've known this like behind the scenes, people have told us, but he straight up said basically their model for building their program is Dabo Swinney at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and we talked about this in the, in the last podcast with Andrew Ivins, but the, what Dabo did in year three was they went 10 and four and they went to the orange bowl, right? Does this team look like a team that's going to win 10 games and go to a uh, new Year's six game? No, <laughs> they don't. So that's a difference, right? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, Dabo Sweeney is a relentless recruiter. That's yeah. all I'll say about that. I'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, and here's, here's the thing, right? Here's what I think the elephant in the room is, Gabby, that maybe Manny Diaz is missing. Because um, I agree, like Miami's resources are on par. And I asked him this. I'm like, how are your resources compared to resources and facilities compared to the coastal division? Because let's be honest, at this point, that's what like we're not, we don't even, competing for. We don't even need to talk about Alabama. We don't need to talk mm-hmm. about Ohio. Like we know that's on a different level right now. Let's talk about the coastal division. And how are your resources compared to those teams? Miami's resources are better than the majority of those teams. Mm-hmm. North Carolina probably has better facilities, probably has more resources, but Miami pours as much resources into football as the rest of the coastal division. And Miami has been extremely mediocre compared to the rest of the coastal division. So that's something that I think Manny Diaz misses when he goes on this rant. And also too, we're not like, I think the point that Herb Street and game day were making was not spending resources or caring about football in terms of facilities and, and resources for support staff. They were talking about the number one issue, getting, you know, spending money for a head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Um, and so that to me is the last step that this Miami Hurricanes football program needs to take. They have the facilities. Um, they have, they're willing to spend the money for support staff. So the last thing they need to do now is go find a coach um, with a proven track record that knows how to build a program, get it done the right way and can get results. Um, Cause again, look, it's not Manny Diaz's fault. He was hired to be the head coach when he had never been a head coach and he's learning on the job. Right. Um, so it's time to get leadership that understands this isn't a learn on the job type of job and they need to go get a coach that is proven and can deliver results. Anything else to touch on here? Nah, man, I think you nailed it. So let's, the tidbitty newsy type things that came out of the press conference too. Diaz said, Derek King is moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of leaving the door open, I guess, that he might play. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that at all. <laughs> at Derek all. King, by the way, tweeted, did you see this? No. He tweeted at like two o'clock a laughing, crying emoji tweet. That's it. Like just that? Just that. So who knows what any of this means? Derek King being cryptic. That's new. It's not a good sign, right? Yeah, I don't know about that. So 
I don't know if that has to do with Manny Diaz trying to act like Derek King's out here running around or moving around, or if Derek is upset that now Manny Diaz is banging the drum on recruiting when this team was built to win now and it's not winning now. So that tweet has since been deleted, I guess, because I don't see it on his timeline. Oh, really? Okay. There we go. More crypticness from Dear King. Right. I mean, here's the thing. If you're an older player on this team, and look, the older guys aren't playing well. I'm not defending them. But if you're an older guy on this team and the coach starts banging the recruiting drum, that's kind of how you start to see locker rooms fracture. So it's another thing to keep an eye on. Um, so anyways, De'Ara King's moving around. Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia, um, he acted like neither one of them separated from the other. Mm -hmm. They both showed enough to continue to play if they go to them. So I think what I'm expecting, you know, what I expected before Manny talked and still is the case, we're going to see Tyler start, Jake Garcia rotate in, and maybe they'll go with the hot hand type of situation. Yeah. Um, Rhett Lashley said Corey Gaynor and Justice Oluwashon are day-to-day with injuries. Um, so that's that. Uh, Lashley said Romilo Brinson will be – he kind of views him as a part of the playing rotation now, similar to Rambo, Keyshawn Smith, um, all those guys. So that's good to hear. He also said Brashard Smith can be somebody that moves around a lot whether that's at receiver or out of the backfield. Um, beyond that, that was it. I think Manny Diaz surprised us all with that um, <laughs> yeah. opening statement. And Absolutely. so we we're on our heels in terms of like asking about Amari Carter and his availability and all that. But hopefully we can get more answers to those questions. Um, Gabby, let's before we take a break, you made a crystal ball prediction yeah. on a 2023 recruit. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so last night, I mean, just kind of not, not a real, like uh, more of like a gut feeling type of thing. Uh, maybe like an early projection at this point, just where things stand at this point of the process. Uh, I went ahead and I tossed in a medium confidence crystal ball for uh, 2023 uh, wide receiver, Hakeem Williams he plays at Fort Lauderdale Stranahan. Uh, six foot three, 190 pounder. Uh, he's in that, he's in our top two, four, seven. Um, you know, just, I feel like the golden rules follow of recruiting, follow the visits. Hiking Williams has been at each of the three Miami home games this year. Um, I think that's pretty telling. There was one weekend he was scheduled to be at Florida. I believe it was for the Florida Alabama game. Uh, he didn't make it up there. He instead came down to Miami for the Michigan state game. Um, you know, he's always, he's just always there with his mom. It just seems like, uh, you know, that it's, I mean, if you're, you're making that effort, it seems like that's notable. Um, you know, just talking to some people that, you know, are familiar with the recruitment, uh, that have some knowledge about it. It seems like that staying home might be an important thing. Uh, he is close with his mom and, uh, you know, that relationship's really important to him. So having her close to him and just being able to play at a place where she can see him every week seems to be something that's really important to him. And, uh, you know, just he, he's been to my he's been on Miami's campus or at a Miami Hurricanes event like a football game eight times since June 1st, uh, which is when the in-person wow. recruiting opened back up. I mean, I think that says a lot. I feel like the only school he's really been to other than that is Florida, uh, Florida State. 
Uh, his teammate, Omar Graham Jr., is a linebacker committed there. So you know, I just feel like Miami's in a pretty good spot right now. Again, I don't think that this is close to over. I'm not saying he's going to make a commitment anytime soon or anything like that. It just feels like, you know, just kind of filling out the pulse of this recruitment right now. It feels like Miami's put themselves in a pretty good spot in that one. So just to remind people, I guess, this isn't necessarily like something that's going to happen soon. It's yeah. you just kind of shooting your shot. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just kind of shooting my shot here. I feel like, you know, with the comp, with the confidence score, I feel like that's something that they sort of encourage us to do. I'm sure. I feel like I, there's times where I'll, I feel like I'll probably do stuff like that. I'll probably be more right. conservative. I want to be more conservative with it. But uh, again, just sort of having some of those conversations, I felt like, you know, it, it would have been, I feel like this is like me playing the long game. I feel like this is right. one that could hit eventually. And, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt being the first one out there. So just kind of wanted to, you know, throw my hat in the ring there. And what type of receiver is he? Yeah, you know, I feel like he checks a lot of the boxes for, you know, Rob Likens, you know, six foot three, 190 pounds. That's something that they're definitely, that size is something they're definitely trying to add to the receiver room. I mean, you look at what Romello Brinson's already been able to do on campus. I mean, he's very, he very much is of the mold of what they're sort of trying to add that six foot two, 185 pound ish frame that could potentially get bigger. Um, you know, I think that they feel really good about the group of slot guys they have between, you know, the Harleys, the Restrepo's. Uh, the Brashard Smiths, uh, a Landon Ibietta type, you know, I think they're always going to recruit those smaller, faster guys that are going to be able to be a more possession guys. But I think having those bigger bodies, again, let's say they're following the Clemson model, like look up Clemson's wide receivers. You know, they're not doing a whole ton this year, but they all look fantastic in a uniform. They all got those bigger bodies. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to have, a. it's important to have those guys on the roster. You maybe don't want to have eight of them the way Clemson has right now. Um, but you definitely want to mix in those bigger body guys that can go up and make a play. I mean, again, we just saw right. what Romello Brinson did in the corner of the end zone. Like those are the types of playmakers that they sort of want on the outside with the Miami speed and, you know, that typical sort of role that they have for the smaller guys. So uh, Hakeem Williams, I feel like to me, checks a lot of those boxes. And, you know, I know Rob Likens went to go watch him play. Apparently in that, in that game, he played some defensive end. Uh, he was returning kicks. Uh, he had like two sacks. He batted down a ball at the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, I, I'm of the understanding that he's someone that they really like and that they feel good about at this point of the of the process. Anything else to touch on with recruiting or should we jump into a break? No, we can jump into a break. I mean, we had some guys at the game. You want to you want to you talk about the guys that are at the at the at the Central Connecticut game? We can do that. Give us the key ones that were there. Yeah. So uh, Jalen Brown, five star wide receiver out of Gulliver Prep. Brett Lashley and Likens went to go see him on Friday. He made it down. Apparently cousins with Romello Brinson, which is something I just figured out on Friday. So, I mean, nice. could that be notable? I think it might be. Uh, I think, again, I think it was good that he saw Romello Brinson catch some of those passes right in front of him. Uh, the American Heritage trio of Damon Fagan, Mark Fletcher, and Damari Brown. Uh, three guys that roll together a lot. And uh, so it was good to see those guys out there. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else like specifically 2024 quarterback, Adrian Posse. He's a, you know, right. top hundred kid for us, big kid. Um, you know, he was out to Miami. He has an offer from Miami, Ohio state, a bunch of other guys, a couple other kids mixed in there, but I think those are probably the most notable. All right. So yeah, let's take a break here. And then on the other side, we will get into a discussion on the young quarterbacks, just kind of where we're at and how we view them. Maybe give our opinions on, who we are intrigued more by moving forward. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back. Gabby, you know, both young quarterbacks, Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia, I think played well. They played well against basically a high school team, though. And if we see that... Would IMG have beat that team? Yeah, right, by a lot? I don't know about by a lot, but they would have beat them. I think they would have beat them, too. So what I think you and I are both expecting them to play this week against Virginia, right? And so the competition level is going to get ramped up significantly for those guys. So let's just start here. I I guess let's just, let's, let's go with this starting point. I think you, you and I both agree that Tyler Van Dyke deserves to start, right? I think overall he was probably, he was better. He had a cleaner game than Jake Garcia. Uh, But with that being said, Jake Garcia showed why he is a talented, true freshman. Uh, Tyler's been in the system for one year. Jake Garcia, um, you know, this is his first year. So I think that that needs to be stated on the front end, right? Like we are, we do think Tyler Van Dyke should start. He deserves to start, all that stuff. Um, I'm curious though, in the long run, like, moving forward this season. Like, do you think Tyler, if he does start and let's say Derek is out for a significant amount of time, do you think Tyler will hold on to the job? Do you think Jake will end up winning the job or do you think it'll be a situation where they go back and forth all season long? Yeah, I, I could absolutely see a situation where they go back and forth all season long. Um, I could see Tyler Van Dyke, you know, I, I understand rolling with Tyler Van Dyke right now. I, again, David, that's what we both anticipate probably going to happen. Again, just kind of going into conference play, uh, him having that experience, him just being around the system longer. I could see that being the safer play for now. But, you know, as the chances are, both these guys are going to start getting some pretty significant reps. I mean, I could definitely see Jake, Jake Garcia playing some significant reps on Thursday night. Uh, again, if this is yeah. a situation where it's both these guys. I think at some point you're going to have to give Jake a, ch- I think there's going to be a, a, a point where Jake Garcia is going to earn a nod. I mean, I feel like we saw enough from him where, you know, he sort of plays with like a fearless sort of like swagger where like 
you know, you kind of want, I feel like he kind of, kind of like embodies like that personality of a quarterback where you could see him sort of, you know, catching up to Tyler Van Dyke, potentially taking something from him. And then you could also see a situation where he struggles as a true freshman, where Tyler Van Dyke might be the better, you know, go to at that point. So I could see this going back and forth. That's my, I don't think that's best case scenario, but that's how like I see the situation playing out. You know, if De'Ara King is out long-term. Who do you like, who do, who intrigues you more right now? I mean, I, I'm kind of intrigued by Van Dyke just because I do think the arm is like, I do think he has a big arm. Like I thought he threw an absolute strike to D Wiggins, the one that he dropped. I thought that was like, right. I thought that was a laser. Um, you know, I thought both of them had throws that they might want back. I thought Jake Garcia was, a counter to too late on that deep Romello Brinson ball that could have potentially gone picked Almost off. Got picked. Yep. Yeah. I thought if he threw that, like, you know, 10 yards earlier, I think he hits Brinson in stride. And I think that that's a, so I, I, I could say the same thing about Tyler Van Dyke. I thought that he was a little late on the Rambo deep ball. Like I thought already under threw it. Um, so I think they both have stuff to work on. Uh, I just think, man, I just think they're two different guys. Like I feel like Van Dyke is a six foot four, you know, big dude that can just kind of like just hold it down and jake is just like the gritty like guy that you like the team will rally around that's why i think i might lean jake there just because again just like the way he operates is like a quarterback like i can see him being like a leader of men like a dude that like this team is like i'm gonna go to war for jake garcia like tyler van dyke i think is more of just like the you know, the quiet, like just kind of like just go in there, do the job and all that stuff. But I don't, I can't ever see him being like the raw, raw guy. That's just going to hype everybody up. Like I could see Jake Garcia at the center of the huddle, like leading the team. Like, I'm not sure if Tyler Van Dyke has that. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's not a knock on it. I just think it's different. So I think that's why Jake Garcia um, probably intrigues me more at this point. Who do you think, who do you think better suits the personnel? that Miami has on offense, right? Because we got to consider, I think, an offensive line that isn't very good right now. Uh, And, you know, what they, what they have at receiver, I think each guy kind of, so in my opinion, I think, so if I'm an inside receiver, like a, a slot receiver or a tight end, I want Tyler Van Dyke to play quarterback because mm-hmm. I feel like he, looks more for the short, quick passing game. I think he really wants to get the ball out quick. Mm. If I'm an outside receiver, though, I went Jake Garcia because Jake kind of goes chunk play hunting, right? Yeah. He's looks He looks to push the ball downfield more, and he's more willing to throw it up in one-on-one situations and let his outside receivers go get it. Do you think that's fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like with Van Dyke, I mean, we definitely saw it on, on Saturday again, considering the opponent, but even like on the, on the little screen to Cam Harris, like I feel like he kind of had to put a little bit, a little bit of like air on it where he had to like, I'm just watching it back. Kind of like had to put it over the defensive end and just, I feel like he had a nice little touch on that where Mm -hmm. it allowed Cameron Harris to get free. Um, You know, I do think he has a better under, like just more willing to just kind of like dunk it off. And that might be better for this offense right now. Like, Look, when, you know, facing some of these ACC pass rushes, I mean, if Jake Garcia holds on to that ball too long, like he's going to get himself into trouble. I feel like Tyler Van Dyke is probably less mobile. Right. So maybe that's the flip gonna, side of that. Yeah. Like I think Tyler Van Dyke is less mobile. So maybe he has a harder time. I mean, we saw him like take a couple sacks, you know, after the D Wiggins drop, uh, you know, he kind of took a, he, he took a sack there. I mean, I don't know how much of that is his fault, but 
And then we saw Jake Garcia, obviously on the other end, kind of just be willing to pull the ball and just say, all right, like if I got to take a hit, I'm going to take a hit. So, um, you know, I think that they both have their sort of pros and cons. Really, I just think it's about who do you feel more confident in and maybe just at different times of the game, each of them with their unique skill sets could provide something different that would help. Like, you know, again, I'm never a fan of having two quarterbacks and like kind of doing that. Like, you know what they say, if you have two, you have none. Uh, But I do think that this is a situation that could be interesting until one of those guys just outright just wins it. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I do think. Jake has better pocket mobility and I think he can help your offensive line too. You know, we saw it a little bit against central Connecticut where they changed the launch points. He rolled out, he can throw on the run a little bit. I think Tyler can do that some, but I don't think he's quite as comfortable as Jake when it comes to changing the launch point. I think if your offensive line protects well, then Tyler is definitely going to be going to benefit from that. Um, I also think Tyler will do well against defenses that play a bend, but don't break style, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, through these first four games is what we've seen from Virginia, right? That is what they play. And that's broken a lot. Right. But (laughs) I'm saying, I'm saying that quick passing game, you know, will be there for the taking with Tyler Van Dyke, which is good, right? Cause like you said, Virginia shows that they've struggled to tackle in space at times. And those big plays pop. If they face defenses that really challenge Miami skill players and, and forces quarterbacks to beat them deep, then I think Jake is kind of better suited to go against those style of defenses. Yeah. Um, so my take on it, you know, I generally like, again, I, Tyler deserves to start this week, but I generally speaking, like the guy that is more willing to push the ball downfield. And so I prefer Jake. Um, but on the flip side, I'm not a fan of starting true freshmen unless they are special. And I think Jake is very, very, very good. I'm not sure he's quite that like special, special talent mm-hmm. um, because you can also ruin a, a quarterback yeah. if you play him too early. And I, you know, I Jake's mentality, I think he'll be able to handle it. But in general, I'm not a fan of constantly playing freshman quarterbacks. I mean, that's been something I've kind of ranted on about Miami here is they, they get put in these positions where they have to play freshman quarterbacks and the guys never progress kind of after that freshman year, they hit a ceiling and I don't know. So, uh, I prefer Jake. I think Tyler, I'll say this too. I think Tyler makes sense if your defense is salty, because I do think he's going to protect the football better than Jake. Who's kind of more of a a gunslinger. And so on the flip side of that, I think if you're if you need to have an offense that puts up a lot of points, and so I think with this I don't think this defense is very good quite frankly and so I think they're gonna Miami's offense is gonna have to score points and so I think Jake makes more sense in that regard um so yeah that's just me I I think you know Tyler's gonna get the start don't get me wrong or 
I expect him to get the start and, you know, I expect him to play pretty well, but if Virginia starts scoring a lot of points, I am curious if Tyler has the ability to continue to score with Virginia. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It does. Let's go on to the, anything else to say about the quarterbacks? No, I think we hit a lot of that. Let's go on to the freshmen, right? Uh, Lots of freshmen played against Central Connecticut State, but Miami's going to play some ACC t- an ACC team this week. So my question to you, Gabby, is we're, we're only talking true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Which one of the true f- – or how many true freshmen and who would they be do you expect to get 20 offensive or defensive snaps this week against Virginia? All right. I got – on defense, probably got two for you. And that might be, well, maybe, maybe James Williams. I only got one. Yeah, James Williams probably on defense. Only James Williams. Cam Kitchens, I don't think, I was going to say, I think Cam Kitchens will play a lot, but I don't think he's going to hit 20. So I'll go James Williams there on defense. Offensively, I got Romello Brinson, um, Elijah Arroyo. You think? Rashard Smith, maybe. What about you? You got more than me. I I think Romello will. And I think Jake will. I think they'll rotate the quarterback. Okay, yeah, maybe Jake. I'm not convinced we're going to see that much Elijah, and I'm not convinced we're going to see that much Brashard. Could be. I don't know. I, I like. I like the. I don't know, man. I just like the idea of just getting the ball in Brashard's hands. And I don't know. I feel like absolutely. He, I feel like he's done a lot. And I, I, I know we're going to touch on Jalen Knighton in a little bit, but I do remember there was a point of I don't remember if it was fall camp or if it was just one of his preseason practices. There was a formation where. Richard and yeah. Jalen Knighton were in the backfield at the same time. And I am super intrigued to see what that looks like. I don't know if he'll play. I mean, just because again, Restrepo in the slot and stuff like that. But I do think he's one of the most electric players on the roster offensively with the ball in his hand. So I'd like to see him get up there. I guess he probably won't, but I'd like to see that. So Elijah Arroyo played 20 snaps against Michigan state. Okay. So you're, you're probably, you're right on there. I didn't realize he played 20. Um, you know, Brashard, I do think they're going to find creative ways to get him the ball when he's on the field. But guess how many snaps? Like, he was on the field a lot against Central Connecticut, right? Yeah. Guess how many snaps he played against Central Connecticut? 20. 20. <laughs> so, yeah, I, don't know if he, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be on the field quite that much, but I do – He's a guy they need to be creative with. And, and Rhett Lashley said that today that, you know, they, they feel like he's a receiver with running back skills when he has the ball in his hands. So um, he's a guy to keep an eye on for yeah. sure. But I think it's Romello. I think Jake will get rotated, like I said, yeah. and then James Williams. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. Leonard Taylor, do you think he gets at least 10 snaps? I could see it. Um, he, I mean, did how, he led the team in snaps on he had, Saturday? I think he had 30. Snaps? He had 30. Okay. I know he was up there. I saw the, the snap count. I know he was really up there. Um, 10? I mean, I could see it. I, I, I could see it. Um, you know, again, especially if, you know, they're really going to start riding on these last two classes. I, I could see Leonard <laughs> playing 10. I feel like, I feel like with that over-under – I mean, I might take the under of 10, but I, I could see him actually getting on the field in a meaningful game. I agree. He's which I think play. is the first step in right. all this. Right. 
I agree. I think he'll play. I don't know about 10. I hope yeah. 10, but I think he'll play. Uh, Jalen Knighton, he's coming back this week. What does it mean? Is, is it going to be the secret, the, the big answer to Miami's run game woes this year? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Do you? I mean, no, but is he an, okay, is he an upgrade over Cam Harris? Maybe. I mean, right. from what we saw, from what we, I, I just think, I don't know if it's like a sure thing. Like, I feel like Jalen Knight, he had the big game, I think it was Louisville last year that he had the big game. And then, I mean, I feel like he was good, but he was never, like, the guy, right? Like, I mean, I feel like he can contribute, and I think he could help, but I'm not sure he's going to be your – like, he's like, oh, my gosh, Jalen Knighton's back. So, here, so our run game is automatically, you know, two yards per carry better. You know, I, I'm not sure he's that guy. I think he helps you in the passing game, you know, what he's able to do in the backfield and just sort of be versatile and stuff like that. But I'm not sure if he's just like the guy where it's like, oh, well, we've been missing him so desperately in this offense. I will say this. Virginia's run defense is bad. They, okay. They're allowing 201 rushing yards per game. Got it. But does that mean Cam Harris is going to benefit from that or Jalen Knight? I, I would like, probably, Who do you think will, will have more rushing yards? I would go Cam Harris. I think he's going to get more chances. Right. I would agree with that. But I think Jalen Knight will be the number two back. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. That. I do agree with that for sure. Let's go to early thoughts on Virginia. And let's start with the betting line, right? Mm. It opened with Miami as a three-point favorite on Sunday. We are recording this on Monday. And Miami is a four-point favorite. What do, a, what do you think of that? I mean, that's interesting to me, man. Um, I would – I. Again, like coming into that one, I would have probably thought that maybe Virginia would be favored, but then at the same time, they're coming off two straight losses. Um, you know, I don't know if you can really make someone a road favorite after that, especially right. sort of like the way that they've lost, just giving up 59 points and then just sort of just getting beat down by Wake Forest. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, at this point, like, I don't know. I, I would be nervous to take Miami minus four just because of, yeah, I wouldn't bet it. I wouldn't bet Miami right now. And if I'm being completely transparent, I would probably lean towards taking Virginia, but if um, you had to bet, yeah. if I had to bet like gun to my head, like I would probably take Virginia plus four just because I don't know, man there. I mean, obviously we've seen what this team has done against quality opponents this year. So, um, and I'm super worried about what Brennan Armstrong is going to do um, or just has, <laughs> what he has the potential to do. Uh, Jelani Woods is terrifying to me. He's like the tight end. You know, the tight end's like six, seven. Like he looks like a Mack truck in a uniform. Uh, yeah. So ner- a little nervous about him and a couple of the other weapons they got. So you know, at this point, I mean, I'm not feeling too great about that line. I could see again. I feel like it's like I'm I'm at the any given week's point of this where it's just like I could see Miami winning any week moving forward. I can see them losing in any week moving forward. So like you could convince me that Miami will cover four points. Like probably right. pretty easily, but I mean, just as easily, you can convince me that Miami loses this game by a touchdown, you know, so I'm or- with you. Like I, I, I would not bet this game. I do think, like you said, I do think like if we're going to say how to like this ACC schedule that's coming up, right. I think Miami matches up best against this Virginia team compared to like North Carolina 
compared to NC State, mm-hmm. even compared to Pitt, I would say, um, who are the next four ACC games. And, and why do I say that? Yes, Virginia, their passing game and their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, is legit. He is the number one passing quarterback in the country right now in terms of yards per game, like 420 yards per game, uh, which probably sur- surprises the average fan. Um, so they do have an explosive passing game, but on the flip side, they're very one dimensional and they don't have much of a running game at all. They're one of the worst rushing teams in the country. Um, and so these one dimensional teams, especially the teams that rely so much on the passing game, typically these Manny Diaz defenses eat those teams up right? Because they can kind of pin their ears back and uh, don't have to pay much attention to play action pass game and all that stuff. Um, But on the flip side, I am not sure how good Miami's pass defense is. I'm not sure how good their pass rush is right now. I mean, I think it's a step back from what we've seen in recent years. Fair to say? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you have to consider you might be starting potentially a true freshman at one of the safety spots. So that's always something that you were coverage. About. Like the coverage to me has been bad too. in like corners and safeties, mm-hmm. which worries yeah. me against this Virginia team as well. And in general, right. I, like if I'm Virginia, the, the way they try to manufacture some run game stuff too, is with quick passes to the edges. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Virginia's offensive coordinator, I'm calling those type of plays all day long. Yeah after Miami's Mm -hmm. struggle to tackle in the alley against Michigan state. So that concerns me as well. Um, On the flip side, Virginia's defense does not to, does not appear to be good. Um, I already mentioned their run defense, allowing 200 rushing yards per game. Um, But I think the counter to that would be they have faced I think some very good offenses here in these last two weeks in North Carolina and wake forest, um, two of the better quarterbacks in the ACC in Sam Howe and Sam Hartman. Um, so is, you know, yes, Virginia's defense is not very good, but my response to that would be, well, is Miami's offense as good as North Carolina's or wake forests right now? It's not. I mean, right. I don't think anyone could confidently say that right now. Right. The answer through four games is no. Yeah. Like Miami's offense has not been good. I think it has the potential to be, but right. it hasn't been. Right. So uh, this is one of those games where it's like, I have no idea how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, you know, these last two years, Miami's found ways to win against Virginia. These are always one score games. I think in 2019, it, the vibe going into that game was similar. I think that was a Thursday night game as well. Um, and Miami was coming off an awful performance against Virginia Tech. I, it, it was like a 42-35 game where Miami got down really big early, fought their way back, made a game of it in the fourth quarter. But Virginia Tech was clearly the better team. And Miami's defense looked awful in that first year. Uh of the Manny Diaz era, bad vibes around the program going into that Virginia game and Miami found a way to win it. Mm -hmm. So again, Miami finds ways to win it against Virginia, 
Um, I just, I don't have much confidence in this team, especially when you tell me they're probably going to be without their best player in De'Aaron King, right? That, that freshman quarterback or that young quarterback factor is hard to overlook as well. And I do, I believe in Tyler Van Dyke and I believe in Jake Garcia, but they've never done it like this. Right. So I would not bet this game at all. And quite frankly, you could tell me Miami wins or Virginia wins on Friday. And I, I would believe you either way. So, um, tell me about the, the tight end, what, what you noticed about him. Cause you keep, you keep texting me about him. I mean, I just think he's massive. Like, I don't even know. Like, like he might not even be that good. I just like, you see him like lining up, you line him up on the field and he's just like, he's massive. Like he just like, he looks like Darnell Washington to me, like almost like Correct. what you what you hoped like Darnell Washington would be. Like, I feel like he's kind of that, like just an, a huge human being. And it's just like, how do you, like one Miami struggles to tackle. So are you going to tackle a power forward in a football <laughs> uniform? Like, I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you sort of, you know, watch over him? I mean, your linebackers are a little small. Maybe you got like a Gilbert Frierson type who's longer. Um, you know, I just think he, I just think he's a problem. I just think he's going to be a problem for, for Miami in just a lot of different ways, just cause he is a, he is a reliable pass catcher. Like he is going to actually oh, yeah. bring the ball in and then he's just hard to take down and he falls forward. And, you know, I can see him being an issue for a Miami team that has struggled to actually bring ball carriers to the ground. Um, and you know, just who's going to cover him. Yeah. Who's going to cover him. I mean, I think, I think a fire scene, you got James Williams, like, Hey bro, right. like stick this guy. That's your assignment all game. Like, sorry, you're not a safety today. You're like a guy that needs to like literally match up with this dude. Like, you know, like, so, you're going to have to like box this guy out or something. So his name is Jelani Woods. He's a transfer from Oklahoma state. Right. And he's, he's listed at six foot seven, two seventy five. He looks just on TV. He looks like six foot seven, two eighty, Right. Yeah. And like you said, he can run for his size. He's caught a touchdown in his last three games um, against Illinois. He caught five passes for 122 yards and a touchdown. And in this recent game against Wake Forest, he caught four passes for 73 yards and a touchdown. So he's going to be a matchup problem. We'll get into Virginia more in depth moving forward because they have other skill players, I think, that are very good too at receiver um but certainly brennan armstrong is a big time college quarterback i think he will get drafted in the nfl draft whenever that time comes for him and jelani woods the tight end is definitely an nfl caliber player too um so miami better not sleep on virginia this is a big game the manny diaz era uh this is what, like the, the eighth big game of the Manny Diaz era already? <laughs> yeah. And what's his record in those? Yeah. So we will see how it goes. Uh, we'll, we'll go more in-depth on Virginia in our next podcast. Appreciate all you guys for listening, supporting the podcast. Until next time, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.